what's happening. You hopefully or may or may not have heard our Eastern Conference playoff preview episode. Uh, hopefully, because this will be released, or this would have been released, a little bit further down the line. Um, We're going to look at all these four matchups. Uh, Kendall, what's good? Well, plenty, man. It's playoff time. Best time of the year. In regards to hockey, anyways. That and the deadline. You know what might not be that good, though? I Don't ask me that question. First round matchup between the Dallas Stars and the Minnesota Wild. That might not be that good. <laughs> that's not good. That's not good business, my friend. But wouldn't it have had a little bit different of a look if the Wild had drawn the Chicago Blackhawks, who they swept in the regular season? Do you think that would have been any different? Or if Mike McDonald played for the Wild? Yeah. Well, it's funny. It's the Battle of the Stars, man. I mean, the Wild are, are looking for payback for that 1993 relocation. Well, they don't come in in good shape, man. Dallas got them 4-0-1. They didn't lose to the Wild in regulation this past season. The Minnesota Wild, their their home fans were booing them three games ago on home ice. Like They, they aren't coming in in good shape no matter how you speculate or look at it. They just Five aren't. Five-game losing streak heading in. Did you really think Dallas was going to win the Central? No, not at all. No, not at all, man. Like, <laughs> not before the season started, but after the after the quarter mark, based on yeah. just goals for per game and possession numbers, yeah, absolutely. But going into the season, absolutely not. No, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about their matchup with Minnesota. Minnesota has been pretty bad the last fifteen twenty games. They've not been very good. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. They they really haven't been good anywhere. And the the big thing for me is that it's the veterans that haven't been able to get it going this year. Yeah, Parise has got 25 goals. Now we don't know if he's going to be available in the first game of the season or the the, the postseason. But Hominville, Vanek. I mean, I kind of feel like we saw this coming, but especially with Vanek, Koivu, Granlund. I mean. All those guys, they've just been a huge disappointment. The only guys I've liked besides besides Dubnik is your Charlie Coyles and your Eric Hollands. You know, your, 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 your Nino Riders. Your Nino Nita Riders. You know, and the, your, the uh, your, your Matt Dumbas. Dumba your uh, Jared Spurgeons. So, what do we think? You know, the one thing that I draw from this in terms of what happened between the two of them in the regular season is that three of their five games went to overtime. So the Dallas Stars have been one of the most exciting teams to watch this season because they're pure offense all the time. Yep. And it's been great. I mean, a lot of people are calling for this to be the new NHL, and a lot of people are calling for more teams to adopt their strategy, you know, to to adopt Lindy Ruff's game plan because that's what people want to see. They want to see more goals. So against Minnesota, is that what we're going to see? Are we going to see Dallas dominate them offensively? Um, There's no reason to think that they wouldn't, to be honest. No, they're they're 8-2-0 in their last 10, man. They're riding hot. No, and that's without Tyler Sagan. Mm-hmm. And they are primed. If you, uh, if you give Dallas a couple games into the first round, they're supposed to be getting Sagan back. 
it's going to be a huge boost for that team. Dude, that they are so nasty down the middle. It's, it's out of control. Like you take Sagan, you take Spezza, you take uh, uh, Verdon Fiddler, Fiddler, and then you take a guy like Cody Eakin. Cody Eakin is nasty. Eakin's Eakin's been ridiculous in possession, man. This is the perfect way, in my mind, for the Dallas Stars to start their postseason. Very much like we have the Panthers and the Islanders. I think it's the perfect way for the Panthers to start their postseason. It's kind of pathetic, but I get what you're saying. (laughs) Two players that really impressed me from the Dallas Stars, beyond Sagan and Ben, because everyone knows of their dominance. They were dominant last year. They're dominant this year by a large margin. Jason Spetz has reinvented himself, man. He's fourth in Team Corsi. He's got 33 goals. He capped it off on the last day of the regular season by scoring a hat trick. Spetz is the man. Spetz has been great there, especially on their power play. Uh, Spetz has actually spent some time on the point on their power play and on their three-on-three power play, which we shouldn't even talk about because they, you know, you don't play three-on-three in the playoffs. So No. So I got to ask you, man. We love the brand of hockey that Dallas brings to the table. We know it's going to create some interest, some exciting hockey games in the postseason. But it's flawed. It's flawed. It's flawed. And, man, I look up and down this roster. Possession numbers are great. Obviously, your special teams in terms of power play and goals per game. I mean, it's it's all good. That's all good. Uh, Dallas finishes regardless or despite what Pittsburgh did. They still finish first in goals per game. They finished fifth in power play percentage. They finished tenth in penalty kill. Everything looks pretty good. So, what is it about this team that sucks? What is it about this team that's going to get them eliminated? Because I know what my answer is. Well, other than that goaltending that cost them eleven whatever million dollars a year uh, between Niemi and Lettinen, which is top in the league, uh, you got that deep. You got yeah, that's that's mad rough, dude. You got that. Uh, you got that defensive aspect. Um, they brought in Johnny Oduya, and based on the uh, prior cup runs of the Blackhawks, you thought that Johnny Oduya would come in and do some work, right? You thought he would bring some stability to that defense, but he just—he's looked out of place. I've watched a handful of Star, Stars games where he's gotten walked or like he's gotten passed by. Um, I do commend Jim Nil. Like over the past couple of years, we 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 can give Jim Nil credit for trying to better his team at the deadline or trying to make good moves. You know what I mean? Like or trying to bring in good good pieces. Um, but he but other than Oduya, he brought in Russell, uh, Chris Russell, and I I don't know how how well that's working out. He's he's missed some time even even after the trade. I don't I don't know how it's going to work out. Uh, with Galagoski, with uh, with Kling, Jason Demers, Klingler, Klingberg, uh, Demers, mm-hmm. all those guys. I don't know how it's going to work out. And then you got a, a questionable situation in net with the two five million dollar guys. I just, I don't know, man. What what does Minnesota have to to score on them? It's tough to see what they can do to counter. Uh, it goes without saying that Minnesota, just like. We mentioned with the Rangers and Pittsburgh in our last show, uh, Minnesota can't get into a scoring bout with these guys. No, never absolutely be able to not. Keep up with them, absolutely and they not. They can't take they can't take bad penalties. You know, if, if they let this team get on the power play, 
they're gonzo, man. Sorry gonzo. to sound like Jeff Merrick, but they but they're done. So they've got to play a responsible game. They've got to try to control the puck. Um, when I look, let's let's just say Minnesota does it because we've seen Devin Dubnik dominate teams, and he did it last season and, down the and, stretch. And based on based on Dallas's goaltending, uh, a goal, uh, Devin Dubnik could steal the series. He could. He actually could. He could because I'm not going to make excuses for the for the Dallas goaltending. It's awful. It's hey, shit. it's not all. It's not all. No, it's come awful. on, man, dude. I'm I'm going there. I'm going there, and I'm saying it. Niemi, Niemi, and Lettinen are 9.05 and 9.06 save percentage, and that doesn't cut it. It doesn't cut it. It's awful. I hate it. Now, <laughs> I, <laughs> I do I hate it. I hate it. I hate. I it. do. I do because I think if the if they if they could get a goaltender to step up, we might see the Dallas Stars do something in the postseason. The other half of it, and I know we we're sitting here singing Lindy Ruff's praises, um, and rightfully so. But the other half of it is that Anti Niemi did it under Joel Quenville, and when I look at this Stars roster, I know you asked me about the Wild, but when I look at the Stars roster, I look at their forward grouping. I like the bottom six. I like the size. You know, I like the the players down the middle. They got good possession players. Dude, Radic Foxa, I think, is going to have a huge postseason. I really do. He's been playing big time, big time defensive zone minutes against very high quality of competition. He's number one in that regard. And uh, uh, St- so, Stephen Johns. And Stephen Johns has been a nice addition on the blue line. I mean, you got Galagoski. You've got Klingberg, who leads the team in Corsi. He's ridiculous offensively. You've got Demers, you've got Oduya, you've got Johns, you've got a deep four grouping, like I said, you've got two terrible goaltenders. What's the <laughs> answer? Huh? The answer has got to be in Lindy Ruff's defensive structure and in his system. And so they're going to have to spin something here. They're going to have to, they, they can't rely on the power play. We mentioned it before. The Dallas or the the postseason doesn't oftentimes present as many power play opportunities. I think they can get through the wild. The only wild, the only way the wild can hang with them is if Dubnik stands on his head and they possess the puck. They 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 play a responsible game. So let's just be done with this one, man, because all the underlying numbers suggest that that Dallas should walk them. The scenario where Minnesota wins is slim. To none, in my opinion. Where are you calling this series? Oh man, I I I hate calling sweeps. I hate calling sweeps. <laughs> um, Me too. <laughs> but you know what? But you know what? But you know what? Um, Dallas has made it easy because of their defense and goaltending. They've made it easy to avoid the sweep. I'm gonna say Dallas in five. I I I really think Minnesota will win one. I can't. Like I said, based on the goaltending and I mean just the whole situation, man. I I don't I don't see Dallas sweeping it. I it, it it'll be five games, five games. That that the more we've talked about it, I I I picked Dallas in four. So just because I did and I had it, but what just about because the I did and goaltending. Ryan Sutter, Ryan Sutter is one of the best defensemen in the league. Uh, Jared Spurgeon's taken on as a, a, a top flight. Defenseman Matt Dumba looks great offensively. It could be, but only only be only because I had t- written down four. I'm going to go with four. You go in five. I go in four. Either way, 
Wild aren't getting out of this one, man. Let's move on. All right, man. Well, a very interesting one based on injuries, man. Dude, she... we've been waiting for St. Louis to have a breakout year, correct, in the in the postseason? Been waiting for a long time. Yeah, and this year seemed like the year that it might happen. Am I am I am I am I am I wrong? No, not at all. I think they're I think they're definitely capable of doing it. They've gotten hit by that giant fucking injury bug. Like that injury bug is critical, and that's what messes us up. They're they're facing uh, they're facing Chicago. You know, uh, surprise. They're facing Chicago. Which uh, wouldn't surprise anybody because St. Louis has had a tough out the past four years in the postseason. I hate this for him, man. Um, the one thing I'm going to say is a great move is that Ken Hitchcock, and we can both agree, which you can agree with me right when I say it, is that last year they threw Jake Allen to the Wolves in the first round, and it should have been Brian Elliott, correct? Absolutely. He fumbled. Uh, okay, but uh, Hitchcock came out this year. This, this, particular season and he said that uh that Elliot's been chomping at the bit and that he deserves the opportunity and I couldn't agree more. Yeah, Elliot certainly does deserve to get the start, man. He was so good down the stretch. So good. And it's been a real interesting year between Elliot and Allen. It seems like each time one of them gets hurt, the other one plays his ass off and vice versa. And here we are again. Jake Allen's hurt. Luckily as you pointed out last time they went ahead and, and dealt for a, a depth goaltender in Nelson at the deadline. That helps. Which was a, a good move. It was a good move. Elliott leads the league in adjusted save percentage, which accounts for all situations at a 9-3-90. Number one in the league. So Elliott certainly does deserve that, that start. And like you said, you know, Hitchcock has to manage his goaltenders properly because that's probably the thing that killed him last year. We talked about it a lot. And you know what? We can all kill him for playing Jake Allen, but I don't blame him for playing Jake Allen. I don't. But this year, he's got to go with what, he, what he's what he got or else he's going to lose his job. Yeah, and the man's Elliot. And what he's got going for him, too, is, ugh. dude, for my yep. money, that might be the best defense in the NHL. Yep. I mean, it's up there. It's certainly up there. So it's it's a sound defensive team, fourth in the league in goals against average. Third in penalty kill. The problem with St. Louis, though, and I, I think that you'd agree with me, might be their goal scoring, which is weird because they have such a gross amount of talent on that team. You talk about Steen, you talk about Tarasenko, you talk about you know depth guys like Robbie Fabry. If the Blues have any deficiencies, do, do you see them? Can you pinpoint any deficiencies that might see them out in a matchup that They've got to win, you know, if not for Ken Hitchcock, just just to erase all of the first round outs that they've had in the past. I mean, it's a repeat of last year in 2014 where St. Louis won the first two and then the Hawks won the next four. I mean, the Blues have to get out of this series. They, they, they got to win away games. They got to win away games. Yeah, and that's not an easy arena to win. Their whole team has got to wake up and be motivated to win games on the road. That's what they got to do. Yeah, what they face between Elliott and the, the solid defensive core that we talked about is the, the third best power play in the league, sixth in goals per game. It's all coming from that line. You're talking about a heart candidate, an Art Ross winner, 
and your favorite in the Calder race on the same line. So when you look at the Blues versus the Hawks in depth, what I like for the Blues, provided David Backes is healthy, is you've got a shutdown line in Backes or Stastny that can take care of that line. I'm not really sure they're tasked with too much, especially at home, because the, the Blackhawks' depth scoring just doesn't seem to be there. No, no, it doesn't. The Blues are better in possession. In my mind, they're a better team overall. Hawks are 5-2-3 and three in their last 10. The season series is is slightly in St. Louis's favor. It's pretty close, 3-2-0. and oh. The other point I'll make, too, real quick, is Duncan Keith is out for Game 1. And we talked a lot about this in our last podcast. I think Keith should have gotten more. You think Keith should have gotten more. It could be more. a di- big, di- big difference for for uh, Keith and in, in the amount of rest that he's gotten. You know, he's going to be expected to play big minutes. He always does in the postseason. Yep. The Hawks' defense historically has been good. Some might say it's a little deeper than last season. Some might say it's a little less experienced than last season. But we look a lot at Elliott and the Blues' defense. I also want to take a look at Corey Crawford, man. Scott Darling's been getting all the starts of late. Crawford went 35-18-5 with seven shutouts and a 9-2-4 save percentage. Crawford's played his ass off this season. And Crawford saved the Hawks, in my opinion. Made them a better hockey team. Crawford only got one start before the playoffs. He's been out since the middle of March, and he got shelled. He got shelled. And, so- that, and that could be a problem. Here, here's the unfair thing: is a lot of people look at Corey Crawford as that type of guy, like a Brian Elliott. Like, does that sound off base? No, no, I, I don't think Crawford's ever really gotten the, the the due respect that he, you know. But he's always played on a good team. And when you play on a good team as a goaltender, even as a good goaltender, you always kind of get that look. Yep. Scott Darling came in and saved the day last season for the Hawks, at least temporarily. En route to Crawford retaking the crease and the Hawks winning the cup. But I'm not so sure I see it going down like that this time. And and really looking at this roster top to bottom, both teams, looking at all the possession numbers, which St. Louis trumps the Hawks. I'm going St. Louis in six, man. Where are you at? For the first time, given our uh, Eastern predictions, I have to agree with you, man. Hey, hey, what do you say? Let's move on. Well, that brings us to the uh, Pacific Division. And on the last day of the regular season, um, there was a game that went a certain way and it fumbled up the uh, lineup to where we thought that L.A. was going to play Nashville, but that did not happen. So Anaheim is the uh, winner of the uh, Pacific Division and they're going to play Nashville in the first round. So, Boy, thanks, Anaheim. You know, yeah. you try to give us a little bit of time to prepare for a matchup, and then it gets completely turned upside down. Yep. Anaheim Ducks take on the Nashville Predators, and man, I'll tell you what, I kind of felt like, and I won't go into it because it's not what it is, I kind of felt like Los Angeles and Nashville was going to be a little bit easier to pick apart. I just thought it would be a better season. I thought it would be a better series. Between Nashville and, and Los Angeles, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it may well have been, but oof. Man, who's better than the Ducks since since the halfway point? And that's the crazy thing, is the Ducks were so bad for the first half of the season. It was the first half of the season. The Ducks were missing it. The Ducks were out. It's like the, the Tampa Bay 
situation in the East. But not only did the Ducks get in, but like you said, they take first in the division from the Mighty Kings. The Mighty Kings, man. That's the other team in the fight with Chicago for that, that dynasty tag. And don't get me wrong. If Los Angeles wins the cup this year, which they could, then they're of that ilk. But Anaheim last year looked like a, a potential cup winner and they were, you know, we, we mentioned Washington was our pick. That, that was my pick anyways, before the season started to go to the final from the East. Anaheim was my pick to go to the final from the West, purely based on what we saw last season. But through the first half, it didn't look good, did it? Huh. Nope. So Nashville actually has the head to head record this year. 2-1-0, but it doesn't really tell us a whole lot, man. They haven't matched up since November. The Predators won on a 38-save performance by Rene. That could be the difference. Rene's not been very good this season. No, and if he plays really well, then it could be the difference. Because Anaheim, as you pointed out, in the first half of the season, Anaheim's not been that good either. No, they haven't been. They've been killing it in Corsi, though. They've been killing it in goals of light. Uh, they only finish ranked 16th in goals per game. But, dude, they're first in goals against average. Gibson and, and Anderson win the William M. Jennings. They're first in power play percentage, and they're first in penalty kill percentage. I mean, where, <laughs> where's this team weak, man? They got one of the best defenses in the league. But there's a good point of contention. Because we love that Nashville defense, don't we? They felt it worthy enough to deal Seth Jones. So, yeah, I mean, it's good. It's very good. Roman Yossi and Shea Weber and uh, Matias Ekholm, I mean, the whole crew, Ryan Ellis, like they're, that whole crew is doing doing special things. Another 20-goal season for uh, Shea Weber. And Roman Yossi putting himself in, in Norris talks. I mean, it's hard to get into those yep. talks these days. But Yossi, man, 61 points, second in the team in points, only behind Philip Forsberg. The top six in Nashville is clicking, man. James Neal, Philip Forsberg. Down the middle, I'm not real impressed with Ribeiro and, and Johansson. I do like Johansson a lot. Oh, yeah. Never on been that, a On that fan. team, Johansson's great. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ekholm and Ellis round out maybe, maybe the best – top four in the league. I know we kind of said that about St. Louis. There's a couple teams worthy of that. But the Anaheim Ducks, too, real solid. I mean, one through six. So I think it's going to be a a defense first kind of matchup. I don't think we're going to see a lot of goals like a Dallas and Minnesota series. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I I totally agree with you. It's going to be a defensive first matchup. Bottom six is a a little wanting, in my opinion, in Nashville. Honestly, on both sides. Well, let's not forget about the, the deadline day acquisitions from Anaheim that really deepened that roster. And what it also allowed to do, the play of Ricard Raquel, who has been lights out this season for the Ducks, has allowed Ryan Kessler to slot in as the third line center. I mean, that Kessler line really can could potentially shut down either one of those top two scoring lines in Nashville. I don't see how Nashville gets out of this, man. We'll see. We'll see, man. I think given the fact that Getzloff's played as well as he has without Corey Perry, and now they're reunited, now they've got Jamie McGinn on that line, 
They've got Stewart and Peary down there. They've got Ricard Raquel playing the way that he is. Silverberg has been scoring goals like crazy. He did it in the postseason last year as well. I like everything about the Ducks. I really like the Predators. They they were, for a long, long time, my dark horse in the West. But I, I can't pick them. I can't pick them. I got to go Ducks in five. That's exactly my sentiment. Hey, man. Exactly. We're matching on two. Exactly my sentiment, man. All right, so our last matchup. Los Angeles, and you know, it should work out this way. It really should. It should. <laughs> we're getting we're getting stoked about the postseason. And we're looking at all these matchups. They're going to be real, real close. Los Angeles Kings, San Jose Sharks. How in the hell do you call this one, man? How do you call it? These two teams are so close in, in every metric possible. When you look at this this these two teams, pound for pound, line by line, you look at their defensive groupings, you look at their goaltending options, you look at their coaches. This is a tough one, man. I I gotta say, I struggled with a lot. I really struggled with Dallas or um, I'm sorry, Detroit and Tampa. I really, really struggled with this one. Uh not me, man. I don't struggle. Um, really? Who do you got? Oh well, you, you're just gonna ask me like that. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you build it up a little bit. If you're Pete, if you're Pete the Boer, man, who do you start? James Reimer. Who do you start? James Reimer. Me too, man. Me too. James, but do you take the net away from Martin Jones? James like that? Reimer. James Reimer. James Reimer. You want to know why? Because. They're playing the Kings, man. They're playing the Kings. That's Martin Jones' old team. But the thing is, even with a shitty-ass team in uh, Toronto, Reimer had great numbers. Did he not? Oh, stellar. And the thing is, I love a good comeback or redemption story. I love the fact that Martin Jones could face off against his old team in, in L.A., but the, the the fact of the matter is, is the way he played in L.A. behind that great defense got him that contract, got got him traded to Boston and then traded to San Jose for two first-round picks. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like he's hurting. Like, he's got a good name around the league. Yeah, he does. And I thought it was a real, real savvy move to go ahead and add Reimer at the deadline. Los Angeles has the season series head-to-head 3-1-1. One, and one. The Kings are bouncing back from missing the playoffs last season. Like we just mentioned when we talked about the the Blues and the Hawks, actually when we were talking about the Ducks and the fact that they caught the Kings for first in division, which might be telling going into the postseason. But the Kings missed the playoffs. They have a chance to redeem themselves. They're looking to enter that threshold of dynasty talk. I think they're probably a little pissed off that the Hawks have, have received those accolades when the Kings have been just as good in in you know, underlying numbers. The Kings, though, their possession numbers are just off the charts good. Off the charts. 56.4 Corsi 4%. I mean, that's insane, man. Their face-offs are great. 50.5. They're 4-5-1 in their last 10. Third in goals against. You know Jonathan Quick can steal a series no matter who he plays. He's going to be motivated to, to beat the San Jose Sharks. Kopitar and Carter, one of the strongest one-two punches in the league. They're up against Joe Thornton and Logan Couture as their one-two down the middle. Thornton comes back and 
pretty much gives the NHL and everyone who ever doubted him a big middle finger from Jumbo Joe. He comes back with a point-per-game effort. 82 points in 82 games. How awesome is that? Dude, ridiculous. Ridiculous. I'm really happy for Jumbo Joe, man. I really am. Yeah, I'd love to see him and the San Jose organization get through it. And that's been a lot of the talk is, you know, San Jose has come into these circumstances before. In fact, as you pointed out to me, and I completely dismissed this, but, you know, a couple of years ago, it was eight seed LA against one seed San Jose. And I, I think that's always been the problem with San Jose is they've just crumbled under the pressure. They've always been looked at. I mean, not last season, but they've always been looked at in the past decade as an elite level team that's always leading the West. They go into the playoffs and they bomb. This might be their chance to get out of it. LA's bottom six, what they don't get enough credit for is their speed. And their possession is nuts. You know, Nick Shore leads the league. Nick Shore leads the league in safety. Nick, and, uh, Nick, Shore, Nick Shore is a is a name that you wouldn't have thought about that came in there and changed some of those underlying numbers. Another player I liked that came in there in their bottom six is Vincent LeCavalier. And it's it's real interesting because he's more or less promised to retire at the end of the season, but hasn't he hasn't he played well enough to deserve to, to finish his career? Oh no, absolutely. For for one cup run, I, I I would love to see LA win a cup with Le Cavalier just so Le Cavalier can lift the cup and just walk off. But man, we saw it we saw it in uh Philadelphia, the, the limited games that he played, and uh there's been a handful of games while he's playing for LA where he's just his defensive coverage was bad and he's like been he's been directly responsible for some goals against. If the Kings can afford it, then LeCavalier is a power play specialist. Yeah, I'm glad he got the chance. Um, when I when I match up the forward groupings, the top six is almost even. You know, you've got Pavelski versus your Tyler Toffoli in terms of pure goal scoring. I mean, Pavelski gets that. Um, well, you've got who do you match up against Kopitar? Kopitar, probably Joe Thornton. Probably. I mean, you want to play your, your your best possession players against a guy like Anze Kopitar. He's, he's one of the best two-way forwards in the league. He doesn't get the same praise that Bergeron and uh, Taves do, but he's arguably just as good. Yeah. So that, that bottom six, though, in my opinion, uh, just looking at the underlying numbers, I think they, they edge San Jose just a bit. LA's always been known... To have a really solid defense, obviously led by Drew Doughty, Jake Muzzin. But San Jose's blue line, man. San Jose's blue line is absolutely ridiculous. Brent Burns Especially is, offensively. Offensively. Oh, 27 goals. And he finished only second to Ovechkin in shots. Of all players. Not 27 goals and 353 shots. Only behind Ovechkin. Ooh. <laughs> it's insane. And let's Okay, that's offensively, right? Mark Edward Vlasic, one of Canada's poster boys, one of the one of the smartest guys on the blue line, Paul Martin, right up there with him. And Braun too? Is that not like the grossest top 4 you've ever heard of defensively? That's so solid. That is so solid, man. It's solid, but I mean, how do you how do you stack that up against LA's top four? 
You got Dowdy. You got Muzzin. Mm-hmm. You got Martinez. I mean, how do you, how do you stack it up against them? I take San Jose's. I realize I realize Dowdy has the skill that he does, and he he probably even even with Burns' ex- awesome season, Dowdy's probably the better defenseman overall, just throughout his career. I mean, this single season, Burns is like next to right next to Carlson and and my Norris vote. Like, I'm yeah. gonna put a check next to both. Yeah, of I get you. Sneak them both in there, but I had to look deep into their their possession numbers and deep into their. Uh, quality of competition relative Corsi. Looks like Luke Shen and Alec Martinez are going to be tasked with those difficult minutes. What I would say is that the uh, blue line of the of the Sharks, they've got way more puck ability. Puck ability is is very underrated. Uh, Mark M- career year for Vlasic. Man, that's a tough one to call. That's I I'm I'm struggling with that man. I mean, how do you feel, man? I'm I'm really struggling with that. Dude, the whole thing, the whole thing is tough. The another real interesting dynamic here is <clears throat> at very few points in the season have we seen, and I mean, I, I realize this goes for a lot of teams in the National Hockey League, but at very few points in the season have we seen the San Jose group together, uh, the whole group. Yep. Interestingly enough, there there is a metric out there that you can research. When you plug in all of San Jose's players, which there's been a few windows in which they've all been available at the same time, all of their counting statistics, their underlying numbers, you know where that actually ranks them league wide, and this is this is nuts. Like all an all inclusive metric, an all inclusive metric, second best in the league. Damn, behind second best, second best to Washington. So this could be the year. That means that means they're moving the puck. If you're going to tell me they're second, they're they're ranked second best uh, as opposed to Washington. That means they're just moving the puck well, because that's what Washington's been doing. They're moving the puck well. It blew my mind too. Yeah, and, and, and the yeah. articles that I read were by some of the the smartest people in the business, man. So those hockey perspectives, guys. Damn, guys, get a chance. Go on there, take a look at their work. They're they're excellent. Uh, they have their own podcast, but yeah, I mean, when you're talking about a team that you talk about a dark horse, you know, San Jose finishing where they did. San Jose, man, is is a really good team. They made key acquisitions in the offseason. They made a couple of you know key acquisitions at, at deadline, but you know they started the year with with guys like Joel Ward. Eunice uh, Donskoy has been excellent. I mean, he's not blowing it. Blowing it up in terms of offense. No, but, but he can skate. Everything looks good. He can good. skate. He can skate. Mm-hmm. And he can contribute. And in the postseason, oftentimes you see those types come in and, and get the job done and, and you know score some goals secondary. I think the big acquisition is Reimer. Like, I don't know who they start. If if I'm if I'm in charge of that bench, being a goaltender myself and having kind of felt this, I give I give Jones the first game. In Los Angeles, and if he drops the game in any capacity, and I sit down with him and I tell him this: if you drop the game in any capacity, I'm going to Reimer because Reimer is the better goalie right now, and he is the right choice in terms of winning. And that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. But Jones has has done his due diligence, and we haven't seen 
this San Jose Sharks completely, this lineup completely together like we're about to. Vlasic will be back. All should be good in San Jose. You've got six, six, well, you've got five 20 goal scorers on the team. Uh, Joe Thornton scored 19, so I think we can say six 20 goal scorers on the team. I think you can outscore the Kings. I'm not sure you can outpossess them, but I think they're they're marginally better on the draw. And I think the Sharks can get it done. I, I do. I'm going to go ahead. I mean, you can give me your answer on the goaltending if you want. But looking at all this stuff, I'm just going to have to go with a gut feeling. I'm kind of going to have to go with my heart. I'd love to see Joe Thornton get it done. Get all of those demons passive. Get out of the first round, man. He deserves it. I'm going San Jose in seven games, man. What do you say? LA in five. I don't know why, man. I just, I've got that feeling like, okay, just just hear me out. They missed the playoffs last year, man. LA has not blundered a lot of opportunities, correct? No, in the the grand scheme of things, that's correct. Jonathan Quick is that guy in the playoffs, and you know he is. You know he is. Jonathan Quick is that guy in the playoffs. So I'm going to have to say the Kings in five. I hate to say that because I wanted to see a three and four scenario like 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 two years ago. You know what I mean? Where It's kind of a cliche pick for me because when you talk about a series that's tough to call, the easiest thing to do is say, oh, well, it's going to be a seven-game series. So it's... It's kind of it's kind of cliche, so I like I like the fact that you went with a shorter series. If the Kings if the Kings are going to get it done against the Sharks, there is a good chance that that puck possession uh, can 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 generate the the kind of result that sees the Kings off off the Sharks quickly like that. I think once again we're probably going to see a relatively low scoring series. The goal differential for the for the Kings is plus thirty for the for the Sharks is plus thirty one. One thing that stands out to me though. And and I I will kind of close on this and in, in my opinion of the series is the Kings held that that divisional lead for a long long time and we all thought that they were just going to go ahead and take it given the the start by Anaheim given their struggles through the first half of the year and I realized the Ducks went on some kind of crazy tear to get it done but they did get it done and they did pass they did pass LA LA finishes with with 102 points to Anaheim's 103 the Sharks are at 98. It's two two regulation wins is the difference between the Sharks and the Kings. It is such, dude. It's is it not the perfect way to to end our our series? I mean, like I'm really glad we didn't end on like Florida and the Islanders. <laughs> yeah, man. Like the, this this series is capable of a lot. It, it's very it, it's very capable. All right, so that's gonna wrap up our our Western Conference preview. We got to the East. We got to the West. Uh, it's a hell of a lot of hockey to talk about, man. And, and certainly, you know, we've we've been talking about potential matchups all season long, and you and I know most of these teams like the back of our hands. We didn't go into all the series nearly as deep as we just did this one, but I think there's a lot more ground to cover between the Sharks and the Kings, but there's no need to go there right now. We're going to save that because hopefully we got a seven-game series ahead of us. <laughs> but even if it's five, we'll, we'll have plenty of hockey to talk about. We'll break down these teams even further as we go along. All right, buddy. I think we should wrap it up. Yeah, we should, man. 
We appreciate uh, all the uh, listens and everything we, we, we've seen on uh, SoundCloud that we've gotten 50-plus uh, listens on uh, both of our past episodes. Um, I will say that um, what would help us is if you uh, like us on iTunes and uh, subscribe, uh, if you leave a comment on any of that stuff, especially on uh, SoundCloud, that would help us out a lot. Yeah, certainly. And, you know, this has been a challenge going through these 16 teams in one night. And I realize we're going to divvy it up between two episodes, but it's been a real challenge to go through these teams. Once again, you know, we're new to this. We don't have the experience. We don't have the wherewithal to, to, to run through this super efficiently, but we're trying our best. And like Dustin said, the, the likes, the comments, you know, even criticisms are, are all welcomed, you know, get in touch with us. We do want to be interactive. We have an email account. It's at no pucks, no pucks podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. No, no, no pucks podcast at gmail.com. Um, on Twitter is no pucks podcast. Dustin's been handling the Twitter and I, I do appreciate that. I've, I've kind of been doing my own Twitter work of late, but over the last few days, I've really been, you know, working on these, these, playoff previews for round one but you know what's good news man what is tomorrow night we don't have to just talk about hockey we get to watch it man we do opening opening no 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 <laughs> it's monday two days we're gonna wait till wednesday oh these late nights they're killing me but yeah uh i'm not sure when we're gonna record again but obviously we're gonna get couple of games in on the couch watch them take a good look and, and see what we see we'll come back around and maybe we'll get a little deeper into some of these matchups like we'd like to and once each of these series gets like uh three games deep or whatever you could probably expect a uh reaction podcast from us um we appreciate we we appreciate the support like i said i i, I can tell on uh, soundcloud that we've gotten 50 plus listens so people are listening let us know how we're doing man we we'll, we'll, we'll accept the criticism you know, we we know that we're we're brutal at times, and uh, we appreciate the love. So, thanks for listening, guys. Good talking to you, Dustin. Yeah, man. Uh, enjoy the playoffs, man. The playoffs are here, and there are plenty. So, we'll talk to you guys later. Peace.